Welcome to Everything is Interesting, X-Ray's own science show. I'm Kira Lindenberg. And I'm Kira Klingenberg. Joining us today is David Zimelis, part-time science geek, full-time friend. Oh, thanks, you guys. <laughs> I really like hey. that introduction. <laughs> I so like true. it too. It's corny, but I like yeah. it. Yeah. So, hey, it's winter, everybody. Yep. It's cold. It's dark. Days are short. Frankly, I wish I could just go to bed, nap until spring. Well, you're not the only one. This time of year, we all seem to get the sleepy feels, and rightfully so, as our bodies are fighting to keep us alive in the harshest of the seasons. <laughs> in my warm house, it doesn't feel like the harshest of seasons, but I know what you're saying. We humans don't really have it so bad. We have climate-controlled shelters to help keep us warm and access to an absurd amount of food choices that we won't be available to us if we had to truly endure the harsh winter elements. Well, just like all the other animals out in the wild have to, right? Exactly, exactly. We gotta, we gotta be counting how lucky we are, guys. Mm-hmm. Come on, we got grocery stores. And despite their lack of electric blankets and 24-hour grocery stores and convenient shops, animals do have their own impressive ways of getting through the winter. So today's show, we'll be taking a closer look at hibernation, one of the most intriguing winter survival techniques done by some of our very own Pacific Northwest natives, the bears. Yay! So winter isn't just cold and dark. It's also the time when food becomes increasingly scarce. In terrestrial biomes, plants cease to grow in the winter, So leaves and green shoots die and disappear, removing a key food source from the environment that sends ripples down the food chain. If human societies were affected similarly, it would be like most of our grocery stores shutting down for the winter. Out of a job. We'd be, well, we'd also be stuck living off whatever we'd been able to accumulate and store throughout the rest of the year, which is usually like creamed corn. No food. Mm, (laughs) Gonna starve. We'd be sort of like squirrels, right? Stashing hearty and tasty nuts and seeds away so we could cash in when winter makes times tough. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we could. But but the thing is, that only really works for squirrels because they're so small. They don't need very many calories to keep them going. Only about, I think it's 50 to 100 per day, which is less than my cat needs, depending on the size of the squirrel, of course. Yes. Of course. But if you're a large animal like a bear, you need to consume 20,000 calories a day to survive, roughly. And that's like 10 times the amount that a human needs, in case you're wondering, and, you know, 200 times that of a squirrel. So winter is, like, pretty tough for bears. Lucky for bears, though, they can get through the winter by, da-ding, hibernating. Instead of expending energy to fill their immense caloric needs with very little available food— they simply eliminate the need for all those calories in the first place. Ah, I knew it. So I'll just sleep through the winter. I'll skip right over my seasonal depression, and I'll save a ton of money on food. (laughs) That's actually a pretty good plan. Mm. (laughs) But but hibernation isn't just sleep. In fact, if you tried to nap that long, you would be dead. Finished. Ah. Okay, never mind then. Carry on. <laughs> You're probably not the first person to think. I wonder how long. Does anyone know like how long the longest sleep was? Like no. what's the longest no. nap? I have no clue. I don't either. I'd love Someone to find out. Someone want to try it? You want to take that risk no. for science? No. For, at I least like, for science, yes. I like yes. eating for I mean, I love sleeping, but I also love eating. Well, yeah, there is Maybe that. it's called a coma, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> 
Here's why you would die if you slept for the entire winter. When you're sleeping, your body still has to perform lots of energy-consuming jobs, you know, like the baseline processes that keep our bodies alive. Things like pumping blood, breathing, regulating our body temperature, and operating our immune systems. Your body is working hard at the cellular level, too. Actively transporting molecules from one place to another, pumping water in and out of the cell, operating the molecular motors that cause our muscles to contract, and breaking down molecules or building new ones. Holy crap, my cells are doing a lot. Heck yes they are. <laughs> you say thank you to your cells. Thank you, cells. <laughs> and because they're constantly performing tasks that require energy, each and every cell in your body needs a constant supply of energy to survive. So if I sleep, I still need energy to keep my essential metabolic processes going. And I guess I need to eat to keep that up? Yeah, exactly. Performing all those metabolic functions takes a lot of energy, about 65 calories per hour while you're sleeping. And cells get energy from a little molecule called adenosine triphosphate. Bum -ba -dum -ba. ATP for short. You can think of cells using ATP. <laughs> I love it. He's our new sound effects guy. Well, oh, oh. you can think of cells using ATP sort of the same way, you know, like your car would use gasoline to power itself. But ATP doesn't come preloaded with energy. To get it, cells are constantly performing cellular respiration, in which molecules from the food we eat, mainly glucose, are paired with oxygen. And the chemical reaction between glucose and oxygen gives off an explosive release of energy, which is captured and stored in the ATP. Oh, and cellular respiration also produces carbon dioxide as a waste product. And the cell has to perform even more work to get rid of that waste product. So yay! Yeah. So on top of doing all that work, there's also a particular temperature range in which these cellular processes function most efficiently. So you have to stay warm. Let me guess. The number 98.6 comes to mind? Sound You're effects good. and a psychic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the average temperature of the human body. And I'm assuming our cells have to do that work to maintain the temperature? Yep, you got it. Lucky for our cells, they do have some help from our favorite bodily fluid, blood. You just spoke for, is that everyone's favorite? It's, it's mine. I like cytoplasm. Yeah. Ooh. Constantly circulating throughout our body, blood can regulate all these criteria on top of delivering much-needed vitamins and minerals to the cells. Our veins and our arteries are the highways through which oxygen is delivered to the cells from the lungs. Carbon dioxide is brought back, and heat is transferred from where it's abundant to where it's needed. This ensures that the cells have the right nutrients, enough energy, and the perfect environment to perform their metabolic jobs. And as a general rule, cells that can't metabolize, well, they don't survive very long. So, basically, you could stay in bed for the whole of winter if you make sure the heater is on and you can find somebody who will deliver pizza to your room on the regular. And then you'd have to periodically wake up and eat it. Oh, I'm good with that. <laughs> but I do have a question, though. Mm -hmm. All right, I understand that a month's long sleep isn't going to do us any favors if we don't also find ways to eat. But a bear can hibernate up to seven and a half months at a time. So what's the difference between hibernation and sleep so that the bear is okay without food for so long? Good question. Thank First you. off, hibernation requires some serious preparation. During the fall months, bears eat and drink a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And after eating up all that food, the bears are nice and plump. They've stored a ton of energy in their fat cells that's going to be key for them surviving the winter. But it's not just any kind of fat. Bears store a bunch of brown fat. In mammals, fat, or adipose tissue, comes in two varieties. So there's white adipose tissue, which stores energy for use 
are in the future in the form of lipids. And that's the kind we humans try to, you know, diet and exercise away. Then there's brown adipose tissue, which is plentiful on babies and it insulates our organs. The lipids in brown fats are designed to be burned quickly and easily when our bodies get stressed or when they get cold. Brown fat is what makes you want to pinch a baby's cheeks. <laughs> That's your scientific lesson for the day. And it's also what keeps hibernating animals from becoming hibernating popsicles because it can generate quite a lot of heat when it needs to. Brown fat cells contain many mitochondria, which are the little powerhouses that make the energy-providing molecule ATP that we talked about earlier. They also have a plethora of the protein molecule UCP1, also called thermogenin, which in bears is activated by shorter days and colder temperatures. Thermogenin redirects the cell's many mitochondria to generate heat instead of ATP, allowing the bear to stay warm through the whole seven-and-a-half-month hibernation. Humans have brown fat also, but to survive in a cave that long, we would probably need some more stuff. Okay, so wait, let me get this straight. You're saying that even before I want to think about hibernating, I need to gorge myself to get really, really, <laughs> yes. really yes, fat. That's the good part. So fat that I'd bulk up on both kinds of fat? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Doesn't that sound fun? This is actually sounding fun now. It is. <laughs> but, okay, it would also be helpful to be the shape of a bear uh, because their bodies have far less surface area per pound than ours do. And exposed surface areas where we mammals sort of, you know, lose the majority of our heat. Once the bear begins to hibernate, their heart rate slows down from its normal rate, which is around 45 beats per minute, to as low as 8 beats per minute. The blood flow to non-essential muscles, like those in the legs, can be decreased by up to 45%. And they can end up breathing as slowly as once every 45 seconds. If the supply of oxygen, nutrients, and heat are slowed to a trickle, metabolic functions slow down too. And that means that during hibernation, a bear's body is using way less energy, so it doesn't need to eat again until spring when food is plentiful. When pizzas abound. Mm. Pizza. <laughs> spring. The season of pizza. <laughs> pizzas okay. grow on every bush. <laughs> I like pizza trees. I like the world we're crafting in this episode. Me too. <laughs> Everyone okay. sleeps and eats pizza. Here's one other thing I don't understand. All right, so I thought you said that our bodies had to perform these metabolic functions or we die. So do a bear's cells not have transport molecules or pump water? Why can their bodies survive with that energy when ours can't? Anyone? Well. Bueller? It's a great question. I think the answer is adaptation. Good old evolution, you know? Over many generations, bears have developed a ton of metabolic tricks that allow them to deal with the difficulties of shutting their bodies down for the winter. One of the major problems associated with hibernation is the buildup of bodily waste. Elimination is actually a really important tool for keeping your bodily systems in balance. Otherwise, all those toxins from the waste builds up, and uh, that's not good. Well, okay, so if you're sleeping for months on end, where does going to the bathroom fit in? Do you just, like, unhibernate every so often, or do you just go <laughs> and deal with the consequences later? Bear diapers. It's even better. <laughs> something we just invented right now. It's better, you guys. Believe it or not, a bear doesn't pee or poop during hibernation at all. So... All right, so it wakes up after seven and a half months with built-up constipation and the most insane urge to pee ever <laughs> in the history of the world? No, no, it's not that bad. It, it's it's actually pretty cool. A, a bear, well, I'm actually not sure what it does with this poop, but uh, we know <laughs> we know that it recycles its own urine. Ooh. 
Oh, man. I love that the show is at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> Created in the kidneys, urine not only regulates the amount of water in the bloodstream, it's also the disposal system for urea, the toxic nitrogenous leftovers of broken down proteins. Urea builds up in the body as the body breaks down proteins. And the body is always breaking down proteins in some form or another, even if its metabolic processes are slowed down to a minimum. So, even if the bear isn't eating and performing normal basic functions, that urea is still building up in its body. The breakdown of muscle tissue is especially problematic for bears. In theory, it should leave them weak and chock full of toxic urea. And here's where bears really impress. Because like furry little magicians, they solve one problem with another. Here's how their bodies deal. Nitrogenous urea from broken down muscle proteins enter the bear's urine through the kidneys like normal. But then nitrogen is absorbed back into the bloodstream through the bladder wall and is used to build new muscle protein. That is so cool. And so the bear is solving its urea buildup problem and solving its weakened muscle problem by simply turning that urea back into fresh new muscle. I mean, how about that for awesomeness? Wow. I, I kind of think that maybe like every mammal should be doing that exact same thing all the time. We'd never need to pee, and we'd never need to go to the gym. <laughs> Woohoo! Sold! We could just eat pizza off trees all day. Oh, I <laughs> wish. I wish that was no. the way it was. But, you know, evolution works in really strange ways. Yeah. It doesn't always end true. up, you know, looking like it was designed intelligently. Which is why intelligent design is not real. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to say that so bad so in this episode. Bad. You feel better now? Yeah, I just I had to whisper it, though, just so we wouldn't go off on a tangent. Okay. Um, all right. Well, getting back on track here, hopefully, for a second. If the bear isn't peeing, is that the reason why it's also not totally dehydrated? Yeah, that's part of it. And that brings us to another problem faced by hibernating bears. It must somehow stay hydrated. Because it's crucial that the water inside one of its cells be balanced with the water surrounding the cell in order to move nutrients in and waste products out of the cell. Water is a key ingredient in all of the cell's jobs. Water is also necessary for the bear and other organisms to regulate its body temperature, protect its organs, and transport all the food waste hormones and other molecules all throughout its body. And it's the same for us. And that's why without intaking any liquids, you'd, leave, you'd live for like... A week at best. Or I'd leave for a week and then come back. <laughs> I'd, leave, I'd leave the land of pizza. <laughs> That's right. There's so much water everywhere. No one's dehydrated. Oh, but you said a week. and But I want to know is how can a bear live for months without any liquids? Yes, yes. That's what we all want to know. Mm-hmm. Well, first, when a bear breaks down its fat supplies into molecules, the body can actually use for energy. Well, one of the resulting byproducts is water. Ta-da! Hmm. Second is what you said, David. Since the bear doesn't pee during hibernations, it is effectively holding on to all of its water that it drinks before laying down for the winter. And by recycling its nitrogen into new proteins, the bear doesn't really need to form any more urine, which is typically the disposal method for nitrogen. And this saves both energy and water. Mm -hmm. So the only way a bear is losing water is during its breathing, which it doesn't do often. But what about evaporation from the skin? That is hindered by the bear's thick fur, so they don't really lose that much that way. So just that little amount of stored water and the water produced by the breakdown of its fats is enough to keep the bear fully hydrated for the full seven months of its hibernation? Yeah, it's a pretty amazing feat. And that's why researchers like hibernation expert Ralph Nelson and colleagues at the Mayo Clinic have studied bears' water-saving abilities in hopes of replicating the process for human patients suffering from chronic kidney failure. 
Well, that, that's great and all, but how does a bear keep its now amazingly preserved, seemingly sleeping, but practically comatose body safe from the influences of the outside world? Ooh, well, one thing is that they choose their hibernation locations wisely. So hibernating in underground dens is a great way to keep out of sight of any enterprising predator. Not that bears have that many predators. Yeah, but what about those pesky opportunistic scavengers? Let's take a weasel, for example. I mean, I bet a really hungry weasel could do some serious damage (laughs) to a hibernating bear that maybe didn't know any better. It'd be like a bear buffet. Ew. (laughs) Just pick at it. Bears have got that covered, too. Some hibernators, like chipmunks and ground squirrels, see a drastic drop in body temperature when they hibernate, sometimes down to like 40 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like unfathomable to me. But bears maintain a body temperature of around 88 degrees. This is a nice temperature, and keeping its body warm allows a bear to reanimate and react rapidly to any outside danger that may arise. So, you know, if an enterprising weasel would come up and try and snack on a bear, it would get a very nasty surprise. Talk about not wanting to disturb someone's beauty sleep, am I right? (laughs) Yeah, don't poke a sleeping bear. I am so totally jealous of hibernating bears. Don't Don't snack on it. I won't even think about it. And don't hang out with a hungry weasel. Another another tidbit of (laughs) wisdom. (laughs) There are still things to discover, like how hibernating bears delay pregnancy. For instance, a fertilized egg can sit dormant in a bear's womb for several months. The egg will implant in the uterus and begin to grow only when the timing is right, so that the cub is born right when the female will awaken and food is plentiful. How does that work? It's crazy. Researchers at Yale University have also found thermogenin, the heat-producing protein previously thought to only be found in brown fat, in the neurons of hibernating squirrels. This means those message-sending brain cells can make their own heat, which sheds some light on something we didn't really understand before, which is how hibernating mammals maintain brain function. Understanding these mechanisms and isolating them within human neurons could help cardiac arrest patients for whom a sudden restoration of blood to the nervous system can cause really serious brain damage. But this blood flow can be slowed to non-damaging levels by putting Mm -hmm. the patient into induced hypothermia, which is kind of hibernation. But the lowered body temperature risks damaging other body tissues. So if researchers can isolate and understand the expression of thermogenin, they might be able to heat this vulnerable tissue, this vulnerable brain tissue, while freezing the rest of the body. Whoa. That has Mm. some, like, serious implications. Yes. So I am totally jealous of hibernating bears right now. So what they do is amazing. But I think that really human hibernation still sounds great. I mean, how close are we to figuring that part out? Well, that's really good news. Human hibernation is not that far-fetched of an idea. There are biological researchers who have been wondering the same thing, and they're currently studying bears to learn from and possibly replicate their hibernation secrets. I mean, if we can perfect human hibernation, so to speak, then maybe, you know, we could save heart attack patients, it sounds like. We could maybe send people into deep space, science fiction style. I mean, we all know that's coming. Da-da-da. We could, you know, have more time to transport wounded soldiers or other people to hospitals. Soldiers are people. That's not what I meant. (laughs) You know, like soldiers soldiers. or, or anybody who's wounded. And, you know, there's probably a host of plenty of other things that we haven't even really thought of yet, right? Like. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it would even revolutionize the field of organ transplants. Yeah, no, that's true because they researchers think that they're going to be able to put individual organs into hibernation state oh. while leaving the rest of the body animated, which is crazy. I mean, I don't understand how any of this stuff works, but 
Not, it, it doesn't matter. The, the, the thing that really matters is that one day maybe we really can go to Alpha Centauri. Yeah, or maybe we could just send <laughs> our kidneys. We could just send our just kidneys there. <laughs> Goodbye, little kidney, and God Get off. Feed. Go and colonize. <laughs> oh, man. Well, at the very least... Hopefully, we can at least find a way to skip the winter. I, I actually like the winter. I want to keep it. It's because you have it? plentiful pizza. Oh. <laughs> pizza yeah. trees. When it's pizza true. runs out, you're going to be like, man, I well, hope I figure out how to hibernate. God, I you guys just need to get some pizza trees. I'm telling you. I mean, I got like pizza trees coming out my ears here. Okay? <laughs> That's a really cool mental image. <laughs> anyway, you do you, Kara. Thanks. Thanks. Hold the anchovies. <laughs> And for all of you out there, next time you think about bears bedding down for the winter, remember they aren't just falling asleep for months on end. Yeah, give those bears some respect. Their bodies perform a delicate choreography, controlling and adjusting normal body functions to maintain stasis, all the while staying prepared for what the outside world throws at them while they're under, like hungry weasels. Go bears. Go bears. Go bears. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in today, and thank you so much, David, for being here with us on the show. I've loved it. Thank you, guys. We've loved it, too. <laughs> Thanks also to our amazing sound engineer, Will Romy, for turning our voices into sound waves and electricity. <laughs> and also Sam Underwood for taking the time to edit all of our shows. Thank you so much. If you'd like to re-listen to this or any of our other episodes, you can find Everything is Interesting on iTunes, Android, and Google. Pretty much wherever podcasts live. And you can also find all of our episodes on our website, everythingisinteresting.org. For this episode, I'm Kara Klingenberg. And I'm Kira Lindenberg. We will be back in two weeks with more science, right here on X-Ray FM, where radio is yours. Is yours.